Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast, where you learn what you need to know about how the world wants to work. And now your host, co-working space owner and trend expert, Jamie Russo. Welcome to the Everything Coworking Podcast. This is your host, Jamie Russo. Thank you for joining me today. I am here with a guest that was last on, on episode number 38. And I think we talk on the episode what year that was. It was a very long time ago. So it's time for some updates. And my guest is Hector Colonis, founder of Syncaroo and also founder of Included.co. And Syncaroo didn't exist on our last interview. Syncaroo solves the problem of helping co-working spaces list on lead aggregator sites, um, but without listing on each site individually. So put in your data once in Syncaroo. Syncaroo then sends it to any other platform that they are synced with. Um, in terms of lead aggregators, they also do some work with brokers and they have a function that works with the Google business profile. So it's trying to solve the problem of you have a community manager or an operations manager who's also charged with marketing. And for some of you, being on lead aggregator sites is an important marketing tool, but your community manager doesn't have time to keep all of the listings updated individually. So Syncaroo comes in and does that all at once. And I feel like we should do an episode on lead aggregators in general, because they're becoming so much more prevalent. Some of them have been around for a very long time. Liquid Space, for example, has been around for over 10 years but there are probably dozens of them now. So when I say lead aggregators, I'm talking about the folks that do a lot of SEO and Google work to try to um, get in front of the end user, either before they get to your site or in a way that you um, just don't have access to. So Liquid Space, UpSuite, UpFlex, Let's use Upflex as an example, since that's pretty current news. They just announced an exclusive partnership with WeWork. So um, I'm still trying to sort through exactly what it looks like. But from what I can tell, it looks like WeWork will list all of its inventory on Upflex and use Upflex as the platform that allows any WeWork enterprise customers to book on WeWork, to book WeWork desks or offices or, you know, whatever products, um, and also have access to anyone else who is in that network. So um, that's kind of an interesting move. I think we work, I don't know how that works from a monetary standpoint, who takes the cut on that, which is the part I don't understand. Um, So we'll get some more detail on that. But Liquid Space does something similar. We heard a big announcement, you know, late last year, Liquid Space, Desk Pass is another one. Um, and we work, we're all given, and we work not a lead aggregator per se. Um, in this sort of example with Upflex, they probably um, tow the line a little bit. Um, so Liquid Space, uh, Upflex, sorry, for the, the GSA announcement was what I was referring to, um, the General Services Administration, which is 
the largest office space user in the United States, they announced a partnership with Liquid Space and DeskPass, and then separately a couple of operators, but that they would essentially be funneling leads, their folks from their system that need space through those platforms because the government needs a single point of, you know, or in this case, four points of payment, right? So the, the prob- problem, one of the problems that a liquid space or an upflex solves for the end user is, hey, all my employees can choose where they want to work, but I get billed by one platform. And then, you know, so the transaction happens on a liquid space or an upflex or an upsuite, um, and the operator gets paid by those platforms and the payment goes to those platforms. So if employees are booking at a hundred different co-working operators, the, the government doesn't have to send checks or they don't send checks. They don't have to make credit card payments, but then reconcile that in their system on the back end to a hundred different operators. It happens through, you know, one aggregator who can, they can make one payment too. So, you know, there's ease of search, there's ease of payment. I, so I've been studying the short-term rental market a lot. I'm interested in doing an Airbnb and there are so many parallels to co-working. And I listened to a podcast um, with these two women who talk a lot about how you need to have your own website and your own Instagram site for your Airbnb. And I think that's an interesting recommendation. Certainly in co-working, we have to do that. But in the short-term rental market, something like 90% of bookings go through Airbnb and Verbo, you know, and a couple of the other smaller ones, although I don't even know who the other ones are. They don't go direct. You know, the consumer behavior is to go to Airbnb. The consumer behavior is not to Google short-term rental in Tucson, right? So it is possible that the co-working market shifts in that direction at some point. It is not there yet. At this point, the important thing to remember is that anybody who's local to you is likely to find you through a Google business search. So don't forget about your Google business listing, which Syncaroo helps with. I don't think it does all aspects. You have to you know, maintain some of it yourself, but it helps to sync some of the information that goes across those platforms. So you know, your local user who might be a business owner or an entrepreneur is looking, you know, co-working near me. And then your Google listing pops up and then hopefully they go to your website and your sales funnel kicks in. But if you have a remote worker that's nearby, when they learn about co-working, it might be through their HR group who says, hey, you have this perk. Here's how you look for space. You use this link and it goes to Upflex or Liquid Space or one of the other, or DeskPask or Desana, or <laughs> there are dozens of them. And that's their window, you know, that's their their path to your business, not your Google business listing. So that may start to shift more. Now, for some of you who are in smaller markets, maybe that doesn't happen for a long time or ever. And I know, you know, there's lots of folks will say, oh, I don't ever get leads from liquid space. It is still pretty market specific. You know, if you're in a smaller market, and I think this is changing as people move, right? So as people move to smaller markets, because now they can, then these lead aggregator sites may drive more demand in your direction. But 
probably assume the lead aggregator business is most important if you're in or near a major city or a secondary city. If you're in a very small market, then there's probably just not enough traffic and enough demand for those sites to send you a lot of action. But there are some, I will mention, I've had a couple of you know, big wins from folks in my flight group program who are using PeerSpace. PeerSpace didn't used to be in a lot of markets, um, but people here and there would would get a lot of wins from them. One of the women is in Houston and a one's in Tucson. So they're expanding and I would consider them to be a lead aggregator. They mostly place folks who are looking to host events. So you may have the ability to sell events on your website, but Google's picking up the peer space lead before they're picking up your lead. So don't stop doing SEO, don't stop doing your own marketing. But you know, if you're not in a very small or rural market, you want to be figuring out how to get um, how to get listed on these aggregator sites. And Syncaroo is a great option because without Syncaroo, again, you have to list individually on each of the site, which can be exhausting for you or your team. So anyway, again, we could do a long discussion about lead, ag- lead aggregators and kind of what's changing there. Um, and maybe we will do that shortly, but I just wanted to give that as an intro to my discussion with Hector. So without further ado, I will uh, jump right into my conversation with Hector. Welcome. I have another repeat guest. I have Hector Colonis, and he is the founder of Syncaroo, and he curates This Week in Coworking, which is a newsletter, He a weekly newsletter. He also previously founded Included.co, which is a co-working perks program. We are going to do a catch-up because Hector and I were just chatting, and the last time he was on the podcast was in 2017. Early 2017, Hector was episode 38, the early days, and this will be in the 240-ish range. So it's been some time. You've um, your company has evolved, your personal life has has evolved. Um, I'm super excited because you have one of those unique perspectives, sort of macro and micro perspectives on the industry. So I'm looking forward to catching up. So um, speaking of catching up, catch us up both personally and professionally since the last time we chatted. Well, firstly, thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Um, it's just amazing. 250 something episodes in between the two. Um, been fantastic to see all the great work you've done and your communities have done sort of between that time. Um, from my side, yeah, there's a lot that's changed. Just one, one kind of point to note on the intro, um, I uh, co-founded Syncaroo. So uh, I, I co-founded with Robert Kropp, who's my co-founder at the company. Um, but a bit of kind of backstory um, or update on the backstory. Uh, last time we spoke, we had um, we had launched just this company called Included.co. We run the co-working perks programs. I think at the time, around 50 to 60 co-working spaces worldwide. We had just started working with some American spaces. Um, and I told you about this in, in the podcast about this dream I had to move to America to, to lead the company from here. Um, well, now I'm in America. Um, the family is growing. We're based here. Um, included now represents uh, at least 780 co-working spaces worldwide. Um, we power Perks programs embedded in Nexodus, embedded in Office R&D. 
Um, it is now run by Joanna Fol, who is based out in uh, in Germany. She leads the, the day-to-day operations. Um, and I've spent a lot of my time shifting to what we're building at Sinkaroo, um, noticing that how people discover the right space or the right space at the right time for the right job um, just hasn't evolved quick enough for the way the world is working and the world, the way the world is changing how it works. Um, so uh, back in November, I looked at, you know, what was the challenges, put out an open call on my blog, um, spoke to a whole lot of really amazing people around the industry um, and landed up co-founding Sinkaroo to tackle what we think is one of the biggest challenges in, in uh, the day-to-day running of co-working spaces today and five years from now. So, right. In the meantime, while you're doing all of this innovative work, you have a four and a half month old son named Augie who came into the world and shook things up a little bit when you and I were corresponding. I was like, Hector, I don't know how you do all the things that you do. And, you know, (laughs) you're a new dad. So congrats on that. Um, Yeah. And congrats on staying sane. And so, yeah, tell us about... (laughs) Sinkaroo, you saw a problem um, and you want to solve it. I'm guessing this is not the last problem you'll solve in the industry. <laughs> so um, yeah, what does it solve? How does it work? All the things. And then sure. I'll I'll poke around with some follow-up questions. Perfect. So I think the main the main thing I noticed was co-working spaces spent a lot of the time finding the perfect people to run their communities, people who have the personal skills. They have some fluency with computers. They um, understand the business and hospitality side. And what they don't hire people to do is copy information from one system to another. Like it's just a very bad use of those people's time who could be, you know, improving the the tenant experience, improving the the, the visitor experience, or just improving the way the space operates. Um, So I initially looked at why isn't there a way for all these management systems to update the abundance of online directories that exist for co-working spaces. Um, And one of the things we found is that because there was no independent unified mechanism for all these different systems to talk to each other, that wasn't fully owned or influenced by any of the platforms or the management systems. Um, So we set out to build what we believe is the middleware solution, so a system that sits between solutions, um, but also a global distribution system for uh, the inventory and the booking flow of our flex spaces. Um, Now, we came up or we started working on this in 2019. We knew that in the future, the frequency, quantity, and value of transactions would skyrocket for co-working spaces. Um, If you want to drive back to 2019 with me, we were at that time where you know most sales were for short-term one-month passes, a slight increase in day passes shift now to sort of 2021. We have governments giving access to their entire employee base. We have entire uh, multinational banks giving apps to their uh, employees. We have the uh, you know some of the world's largest commercial brokerages giving remote or drop-in access to their. Um, to their clients, to their clients' clients, um, et cetera. So what does that mean? It just, if the if the community manager had to update all these different systems, we're talking about hundreds of hours a year. 
if we then have to think about for every transaction, something needs to be copied from one system into a system and then access granted and then meeting room booked and all these things that need to happen for every single one of these transactions. What happens when you know the next 5 million people want to use a co-working space three hours a day or um, as they move throughout a city or you know be close to their, their kid's school in the afternoon, but be close to clients in the morning? Um, and the only way for us to facilitate is to automate those pieces. So the most exhausting and boring pieces of the whole transaction, but it was just completely broken. So we spent a year behind the scenes connecting a whole bunch of different systems. Um, and we then rolled out in the middle of last year, a private beta. So we're inviting spaces who are either using Nexodus, Cobot, Office R&D, Deskworks, and hopefully soon a census to jump in and start automating these processes, start automating how they're not only updating these platforms, um, but also how they're getting their bookings synced back into their centralized management system. So they can know who's coming, where they came from, do some business intelligence on that. And I realize I've been talking for uh, way too long. So uh, any questions on that? <laughs> the questions are building up, Hector. So <laughs> it's good. we'll give you a break and have some water. Um, okay, when you say systems, give us some examples. Of so, like the, yeah, the, the inbound systems and um, yeah, so let's start there. Cool. So I'm trying to think if I should go more high play. No, we won't go high play. We'll go for actual examples and then I'll say why we've okay. chosen those as our pilot. So okay. we've got um, things like Google uh, business listings, right? I know really important to you. Very, very, um, a very, very important for co-working spaces, right? Uh we 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 sync through the the opening hours and some some critical information to Google Business Profile. Now it's fine if you have one space, but if you have a hundred spaces, keeping that stuff up to date, it's a whole job. Um, Especially because have, that platform is expanded, you can put products up. You, you right? There's there's exactly. more inventory. Yeah, it's it's different. It has exactly. evolved, which is great. But you're right, another whole system to keep exactly contained. right. Um, and then you've, we've got Upflex, CloudVO. Um, we're waiting for Flow, DeskPass, FlowPass, and I think three more who are busy finishing their integrations. Um, we've also got a broker's portal, a broker system. So instead of sending out you know, those emails that you have to keep sending out to the big brokers or the independent brokers in your area who keep um, saying, we have 30-person desks, send us your availability right now or you lose this client. Um, we've basically designed a, a mechanism where you can give independent operate, independent brokers um, a snapshot of your availability now and for the next three months so that they don't have to email back and forth to say, hey, we have a client. Instead, they're like, we see you have availability for a 10-person office. We'd like to book it for our client. Can we come and do a viewing? Um, that saved what, maybe five emails per request? adds up to hundreds of emails. And also prevents you from being taken off the list. One of the biggest complaints I often hear is, I felt like I responded right away and they'd like moved on already. Exactly, <laughs> so, right? Yeah. Um, so our, our idea is to give brokers more more tools. We're seeing it now from, from all the other brokers. They're also noticing this. Um, we're seeing you know everyone from Avison Young to JLL, Collier, they're all investing in their own tech stacks for getting in this inventory. Um, so integrating with them. But there's also independent, there's boutique brokers who really get co-working, really get the differences and the nuances between spaces, who are increasingly getting more and more traffic, um, but they haven't got the budgets to build entire tech stacks. So we're giving them tools to be able to work with, you know, however many spaces they want to work with, 
um, and get the data they need to close sales faster. Obviously, that's that's the end goal. Um, other than that, we've got a bro we've got a uh, uh, what we call website widgets. So you can create as many little um, snapshots of your inventory. You can give that to your local coffee shop, your local chamber of commerce, whoever you've built kind of partnerships with. They put it inside their own websites, and they all stay automatically updated. So every time you build a partnership, you have another live feed of your inventory to their customer base. Um, and that's that's proven very, very popular. Uh, we, we built it as kind of something that one customer needed and more and more spaces are like, well, why wouldn't I, instead of just giving them five pictures and our current pricing, yeah. give them this little widget that they can put on their website and it will always show what's available, what the pricing is. And you don't have to worry about outdated things um, being all over the internet. Hey, I just wanted to jump in really quickly before we continue with our discussion. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to invite you to join me for my free masterclass, Three Behind-the-Scenes Secrets to Opening a Co-working Space. If you're working on opening a co-working space, I want to share the three decisions that I've seen successful operators make when they're creating their co-working business. The masterclass is totally free. It's about an hour. And include some Q&A. If you'd like to join me, you can register at everythingcoworking.com forward slash masterclass. If you already have a co-working space, I want to make sure you know about Community Manager University. Community Manager University is a training and development platform for community managers, and it can be for owner operators. It has content training, resources, templates from day one to general manager. The platform includes many courses that cover the major buckets of the community manager role from community management, operations, sales and marketing, finance, and leadership. The content is laid out in a graduated learning path, so the community manager can identify what content is most relevant to them depending on their experience and kind of jump in from there. We provide a live brand new training every single month for the community manager group. We also host a live Q&A call every single month so that the community managers can work through any challenges that they're having or opportunities, um, get ideas from other community managers, build their own peer network. We also have a private Slack group for the group. So if you're interested in learning more, you can go to everythingcoworking.com forward slash community manager. Um, so that's, that's just a snapshot of kind of what... Um... What we're thinking today, we've got another 60 platforms in development or in our roadmap. Well, I was going to say, there are so many. I think you were involved in the Flex Office um, event in the fall that yes. Office R&D did. And I, in my talk, I had a slide of like all the lead sources. Oh, yeah. And it's like, it feels like it's never ending. There, you know, there, there's so many folks who kind of want to play in that arena. Oh, yeah. And it's hard to know. I get asked all the time, which one should I be on, right? And so I, and you're probably a better person to mm -hmm. ask that question to, but it used to, be, so without Sinkaroo, right? The answer would be, okay, if, right, if you only have the capacity to do five of them, yes. <laughs> which was a real challenge to your point, right? You can yep. only commit, you have to sort of 80, 20 this. And so then you don't really know if you're missing leads from other lead sources, yeah. but you can only do so much. So if you're going to yes. pick five, pick these. So yeah. the ultimate vision of Synchroo is you don't have to pick, just enter it here and it'll yeah. sync to any, do the, yeah. does the operator have to 
opt in to the lead sources, they have yes. to sort of make that. Okay. Yeah. So once you've sort of so, created an account, yeah, you just have to go through that one time and then it all Correct. syncs. Yeah. Correct. Um, so the, the whole idea is we don't like spaces, A, leaving money on the table. Yeah. Um, we don't like people who might be perfect for a co-working space, not knowing that it exists yep. or a landlord or whatever it is. Um, we also just don't like the idea of having to pick winners when you don't know what they're all working on. Um, there is this big notion right 100%, now. 100%, just, right. I feel that way too. I'm like, I don't know. There's so many new ones and they- Exactly. Maybe they're getting this great lead flow. I, you know, it's it, it sort of takes a while for that to flow through. And exactly. and also it's market dependent. I tell people that too. I'm like, yeah. okay, well, if I, <laughs> if I had a pick, I would look at these, but you also kind of have to test because it's market yeah. dependent. Yeah. And that testing takes time away from other things. So even though you're not, you know, you're not losing leads, you're losing opportunities from walk-ins or um, upselling to members and referrals. Or your own, you're just your things. own organic, right, or paid marketing. But I love that you do the Google Business Profile because that's not just other lead sources. That's your yeah. own marketing. Yeah. Yeah. So we have this this notion um, that we we speak to a lot of the operators who join our our beta about. Um, it's a framework that we move away from this idea of a tech stack and what technology they should be using in their space to this idea of thinking of a co-working space or any, any shared workspace um, from the idea of an operational stack. What are the businesses, products, services, and teams that you need to um, build into your, your, your stack so that you bring people from the marketing world, the marketing channels through to your lead generation, into your sales, and then hold them in your hospitality core. So this is this is onion idea of you have these different layers on the furthest out is your marketing. It's normally outbound. It's normally things like Google business, widgets, things like that. Things that just promote what's available. Um, and then you get your, your lead generation, your aggregators, um, your booking platforms, your uh, PR that is more engaged with generating leads. And then you've got your sales, your brokerages, your uh, CRMs, those kind of stuff. Um, and then in the middle, you've got hospitality. Anything that your customer touches, um, that's where you've got to focus on is how quickly you can get the most customers into that core um, to drive up your revenues. Um, and that is how we, we normally recommend that spaces think about the shift in, don't just pick solutions that do everything all right. Look at those stacks and pick the things that you can add that give you 2x you know, returns, or at least one, even if it's not, as long as it's not um, creating a deficit, um, you should be listed there. You should, because as you said, you don't know what they're doing, right? Um, we're seeing, you know, London right now is probably the hotspot for aggregate, aggregated competition right now. Um, we're seeing entire tubes, um, uh, the, the subway, the underground being taken over by guerrilla campaigns for some of the apps. We're seeing oh, interesting. You know, town criers being brought into the city, into, <laughs> into areas and screaming <laughs> about apps. Um, we're seeing acquisitions. We're seeing, you know, there's so much, so many different apps and we don't know who they're, what they're each targeting. Obviously there's a lot more that has to be done. Yeah. I think from the, the aggregator sides to be more transparent about who they're serving. Um, and hopefully we can help them with that over the next uh, few months. But the idea is if your space is I, is catering to corporate uh, bookings, drop-in bookings, things like that, there are some players in that field. But that doesn't mean that the others won't shift into that. And then if they do shift into that and you're not on their platform, 
then you've had that you have that gap again, right? Um, so our goal, yeah, as you said, is to allow people to list everywhere and know that everything stays up to date. Um, but we do put the control in the operator's hands. So they have full control from the from their Syncaroo um, system, which resources are shared with which which brokers, which platforms, which aggregators, which widgets. So it's not that they have to give all their information to every platform. Okay. We're seeing a lot of kind of merge acquisitions happening now on the aggregator side, which means down the line, we might see you know, a competitor investing or owning one of the platforms. So you have to kind of choose how much information you give to them to still get the leads, but not enough that you kind of spill, spill your guts or spill your black book. Um, so we've always focused on operator data protection first, and then looked at how we can use those settings and those controls to give to, to drive up revenues and reach um, instead of just saying, oh, you have to give all your information, otherwise you can't get leads. So an example just being, I don't have to list all my offices or I don't have yeah. to, right, I don't have to put all my inventory out. I Correct. can sort of pick and choose. Or some people say, I don't want to list my offices. I can sell my offices myself. I don't want to pay the 10% or, you know, whatever Correct. fee. Yeah. yeah. I also want to highlight a point that you made all of the end users that didn't used to be in the co-working ecosystem. And the fact that this is a struggle for operators. And, you know, I used to sort of be in the camp of everybody needs a full-time membership. That's how yeah. the model works now. And now we see, I have a good friend, for example, who works for Zendesk. And she said, oh, we all got $300 a month stipends for co-working. Yeah. And I'm like, that's awesome, except that's not an office, right? That's like, in, depending on the market, it is not even a dedicated desk. Mm. So yep. like how, what's the, how are they going to use that? You know, yep. does she want five days in an office? Does she want to, you know, a half a day in a meeting room? Like yep. how is she going to spend that? And I think what you're saying is right. And where is she going to spend it? Is she going direct to you or has the employer said you got to go through X platform? Yeah. Right. And so on the operator end, being able to handle the that like demand of like these bite size or you know whatever that looks like yeah. because we didn't want to use to have the uh, you know sort of high maintenance <laughs> part super part you know part time but there's that market is so will be big i think we haven't yeah. quite i'm guessing yeah. you have more insight you know into those transactions that are happening than I do, I get the sense like we're still at the very beginning of that, oh, yeah. like actually, because even you said, you know, COVID spikes and some people are, it's just like, we're not quite there yet. And it's a really new um, uh, behavior for yeah. that user to learn, but it's like the potential is so high right now for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you hit a, a really important point on the head there that operators need to really understand the people who are choosing where and how and when to work have never had to pick before. They don't know anything about us, the aggregators, what was popular in 2019. Right. They know nothing, right? Um, so they're turning to their friends on Instagram. They're turning to folks on TikTok. They're looking at you know, where they get invited to for meetings or events or what, and they're picking. So I think it's really, really important for people to realize that the decision makers have changed. It's either team leaders or independents or individuals. And 
Or all of the or, above, right? Or, Which, yeah, it could it, yeah. exactly. But I mean, you're also getting this idea where a lot of operators are like, okay, go use a three hundred dollars stipend. It's it's easier for us to do because we just assign it to you. It's going to be a fuss at the next tax time, not this one, but the next one. People have to define whether that's income or not, um, even though it's a stipend. Um, so we're going to see a lot more organizations shift to kind of centralizing billing. You can use the co-working space as much as you want, use the credit, whatever, but we need the accounts All in one place. to show us you know, what people are using. Um, but also that with those accounts to show us data, right? If I'm, if I'm an employer and I have 10,000 employees around the world, I want to see where people are congregating if they were given unlimited choice. If we see that I, we had an office in Manhattan, we don't need an office in Manhattan because everyone's congregating in Brooklyn or congregating in Jersey City, why not get a team membership in Jersey City and lower that monthly cost, right? So you get, you get to make really, really interesting shifts to your workspace strategy, um, being more kind of responsive as opposed, as opposed to predictive. Whereas before we had this idea where you had to go and get a co-working membership for 30 people and then hope that everyone can commute in there. I mean, when I got into co-working on, on the kind of Airbnb for co-working side, I was very, very prominent in London. And we all, the number one question is, what, what, what tube stations is it close to? What's the, what's the transportation? We need to make sure our employees can get yeah. in from zone four. Um, whereas now, if you can give people sort of unlimited reign to go pick where they want to work, and then open offices where you see them already congregating, it changes the whole uh, acquisition strategy, right? Um, and basically, the world of work, as the world of work changes, the way we as operators, or we as a, as a, uh, as, a as a ecosystem of uh, of businesses, have to change how we interact. Um, it's not just that it's an it's an unnecessary overhead to have a day member. That day member might be a C level executive. They might then bring in thirty people next week, and then you know open an office there and take an entire floor. You never know who's using these day passes, etc. Um, so yeah, it's it's just going to change everything, and you have to be listed everywhere. You have to make sure you have fluid experiences. Everyone has a uniformed kind of first citizen experience because i think that's what happens a lot of times i mean we saw it with phil um when he booked the space in in new york he needed to get in the alarm went off like it, a full-time member would never have had that problem right there would have been some some system in place but because it came through an app the person didn't see it whatever there was a delay we can't risk that because if he was a c-level executive or it was you know at some point that space is essentially blacklisted for something that was outside of their control and so these things are happening day in, day out, and we just have to be better at automating the systems um, so that we can capture the opportunity as opposed to letting it become a liability or a risk. So walk me through sort of the full workflow. Is it that if someone, if a lead comes in and books through Syncaroo, like where does that experience end? And yeah, sure. do they get funneled so, into... So today, um, no one can book on Syncroot, right? That's a very important distinction to make. Yeah. We are not competing with any of the aggregators, yeah. booking platforms, or brokers. Yeah, um, sorry. But I anyone, should no problem. said it that way. Yeah, good clarification. <laughs> I just have to say, because a lot, a lot of folks ask us, like, oh, why, why don't you just do the bookings? Because that's not our business. We're a tech company. We're yeah. only focused on date, date synchronization. So let's you're say hub, someone... Like the spokes yeah. or all the... Yes, you sit. Correct. Yes. Yeah. So a booking comes through a integrated system. Let's say one of the booking platforms um, 
before the booking is confirmed, we do a whole bunch of checks. We make sure that it's within operating hours. There is a community manager on, on site based on the data we have. Um, there's no internal bookings. There's no external bookings from any other app for that time. Okay. All these green lights go through, okay, approve the booking. That happens in, in a couple of maybe 100 milliseconds. So really, really instantaneous for the end experience, but protecting the operator from the most annoying parts about handling a booking request. That booking is confirmed. It then gets piped back into their Nexus office R&D, whatever it is, management system, the same way as an internal member. It will say that it came through via Syncaru, via X app. Um, and it doesn't go into a calendar, doesn't go into something. It goes right into the management system so that the person who walks in at the front door, the person who welcomes the guests, knows exactly where to find the information. Um, and that's pretty much where we, we're, we're ended right now. We have plans for making that a richer, more um, seamless experience for other pieces. But right now, we just want to make sure that those inbound, that inbound demand, those bookings, those entire new ways of using workspaces um, can be serviced without extra overheads. And tell me if I'm wrong, The another aspect of the value of that workflow is that if that booking goes into Office R&D and I have a bunch of you know, things that are triggered in Office R&D, that all happens all in Office yeah. R&D. I don't have Correct. to figure out like, oh, I have to manually do it because they came from this place. Exactly. Yeah. So what we, what we realized when we started looking into this is most people's center of truth or their operations runs through their management system. That's where they keep everything yeah. up to date because that's where, if we're honest, that's where- Yeah, I love this, the center of truth. That's such a great yeah. way to, to put it. Yeah, Because <laughs> everything else is connected to that. Your automations, mm -hmm. your invoicing, everything else is normally connected to that. The big piece that's missing is all these different people who want to help fill your space. And they just weren't able to connect into that, send into, into that, that, that hub, into your hospitality core. Um, we want to enable that and then, you know, help you expand out from that. So it's, as you said, it's the things you would have normally done automated for a member can still be done. They'll just be done now for people using the interconnected apps. Yep. I know. I, it's, I love it. It makes complete sense. I feel like there's something else I wanted to point out there. Bookings. Uh, yeah. Um, It'll come back to me in a second. <laughs> so the, yeah, I lost my, my thought on that. Um, <laughs> no problem. So what do you see kind of bigger picture um, aggregator movement? Lead, what do you, how do you refer to them? Aggregators, lead gen companies, brokers, uh, all of the above. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, sometimes, so I feel like it's good to, to talk about the terminology because yeah. I'll get new folks sometimes who are like, what, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, exa exactly. So, I mean, we, we, we always lean back on the operational stack. So they're either marketing lead generation or sales platforms. Yeah. Sometimes they blur between them, but that's how you can clearly distinguish whether it's purely outbound marketing it's something that generates your lead or it's yeah. something that actually charges the customer and then you have to invoice afterwards. So that's how we differentiate between okay. the three things. Yep. Um, I forgot what the question was after that. Um, oh, yeah. Just the terminology of, yeah, oh. brokers, lead gen. Yeah. Just so oh, yeah, then you were asking sort of what, what do I see? What oh, do we yeah. see the big shifts, right? Where, where, yeah. 
not not where the the puck is now, but where the puck is going, right? And I th- I think the way that the next five to ten million people interact with co-working space on a daily basis, the mechanisms that will enable that haven't been built yet. Um, I truly believe that we're going to see desk bookings from their watches. We're going to see desk bookings from their Google calendars or their any calendars. We're going to see, you know, it's going to become as seamless as ordering an, an Uber through Google Maps. It's going to be as seamless as, uh, you know, ordering a delivery from a restaurant through their website, but delivered by a, a third party. There's going to be so many ways that the future employee, the future workforce will interact with physical space that I just don't think have been built purely because there wasn't a data infrastructure to connect the physical world with the digital world. We're seeing a lot of shifts now. We're seeing a lot of momentum moving towards corporate bookings, team accounts, centralized billing. It is a huge opportunity. We're also seeing you know, platforms launched purely for the creator economy, platforms launched purely for um, you know, specific, really, really niche communities. And that that's, it sounds weird, but, you know, if you get the best YouTubers all using one app, all needing the same set of criteria, all booking through one app, that becomes a whole new marketplace, a whole new way for people to engage with, with, with uh, physical space. And then you get e-commerce. All these people need someone to take photos. They need someone to do um, reviews. They need someone to do meetings. Why why isn't there a desk booking mechanism behind Etsy, right? Or a pop-up system where they can show, there's so many ways that the world will interact with physical flex space. And I think we're at that tip now. We're going to start seeing so much more innovation. We're going to see so much more um, newcomers come into the sector who will carve entire niches. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, before Airbnb, renting out your house didn't make any any sense to someone who is a complete stranger, right? Um, and I think we're at that verge now. We have the we have the the inventory, we have the operational experience, we have a lot of experienced platforms out there. Um, and now we have newcomers. We have people who are booking space for the first time. A lot of people who launched um, some of the most popular aggregators right now felt the frustration of trying to book space when they first entered the market. So what's going to happen is the, the, the newer generations of workers who have entirely new ways of thinking of interacting with the space are probably going to find the same frustrations. They're going to find, well, I think we can do it better. Why don't we build an app that lets people book by the minute, by the hour, whatever it is. And th- that's where I think it's going. I think we're, we're going to see a lot more consolidation. We're going to see a lot of the a lot of aggregators who are from, let's say, version three of co-working consolidating and then we're going to see this new version this new breed of 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 integrations deep integrations into you know corporate commercial booking platforms and it's it's going to be it's it's going to be fascinating 2022 is going to be probably the year where we see really interesting things happening on the booking element of of our co-working spaces so i'm curious what your sort of intuitive intuitive side says about human behavior around leaving the house. So mm-hmm. I was I was talking to um one of the aggregators and he made this point that gave me some pause. You know, he said that co-working used to kind of compete with the office. 
it was like the, the cooler, better office. Mm-hmm. He's like, and now it kind of is the office, right? It's yeah. because, because the reference point is home Yeah, <laughs> for that, everyone. True, right? And, and he yeah. was just kind of, you know, will people go, you know, will they, mm-hmm. will they leave the house? Will they do that? And I think one of the things that's happening is, so I, I went to this San Francisco work tech conference and you know, all these work tech is just, is very like um, corporate real estate folks and HR and all the people who are making policy around where people work. And I mean, my takeaway was like, wow, people are really anchoring on working at home. (laughs) And and I think partly that's because they don't feel like they can advocate for the middle ground, right? It's, It's like, you know, home is as far as I can sort of push right now, but I'd rather be at home than at work. So yeah. yeah, I just am curious, like we get really excited about all the potential demand. What's your sense as to? I mean, I think we have to, there's essentially two things that, that are happening, right? In 2020, 2021, a lot of the narrative was work from home or work from the office. There was no mention of this work near home, um, third places, you know, working from a co-working space two days a week in the, the HQ, although in our circles, the hybrid idea or the hub and spoke thing right. was talked about endlessly. Right. No one really <laughs> exactly. The time. We all talk about it endlessly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no one really explained that to the, once again, going back to the decision makers, like if they don't know that they can choose that because every wing's telling them home or office, if I have to worry about childcare or whatever it is, I'm going to choose home because that makes the most economic. And I hate commuting. Everyone hates commuting. Right. Like it's such a dead time. I mean, I, I like going for a walk now in the morning instead of commuting, but having to do the commute outside of my preference is absolutely infuriating to many people. We're seeing it all, all over the world. Um, and I think that's the one, fixing that narrative has to happen, right? People have to understand that they have this flexibility. Um, and the second is it comes down to the employers. It comes down to them making it easy that someone doesn't have to ask permission. They don't have to um, go through an application process. They, they can be given access to space um, and use it as and when they want. Because what happens then is we're, we're seeing a lot of case studies now, companies like Spotify, where in their internal, Spotify and Slack, I think were the two leading examples, um, they would invite other coworkers to come to the office so they can hang out and work on projects. And when I say the office, I'm saying the co-working space that's nearest to them or coordinating a centralized point that they can all commute to um, for specific projects or on specific days or maybe on a Friday and they all go for a drink afterwards. Um, so the social sort so of idea is still there. It just has to be looked at from a different type. Like the, the idea of corporate culture is completely changing for those companies. Um, celebrating those those gatherers, those people who bring together your your employees to a central place and giving them the tools to make it really easy for someone to decide. I mean, if I have to pick between sitting on my desk or go find a space, do a viewing, make a request, ask my my boss if I can use that. Oh, it's $50 more. Okay, calculate whether I want to spend $600 a year. year Too much friction, right. Yeah. And the less decisions they have to make, the better. Um, and that that's that's where it's going to get to. I think we're going to we're going to see that really opening people's eyes because for a long time a lot of people wanted to work from home and then they did. Um, 
and pre-pandemic days and they realized how they wanted co-working that's why co-working exploded that was where we all got into this from um and we're as we shift away from that 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 duality either work from home or work from the office yeah. um people will start experimenting they'll start as i said um rebuilding their days based on the outside of work stuff where is soccer practice today where is um that client meeting um where do i where do i want to meet my friends for dinner afterwards and then picking locations based on those things as a because i mean a laptop can plug in anywhere as long as the infrastructure is built and provides the same experience regardless of where you are you have that freedom and i think that's where we're going to get to is freeing the knowledge workers to pick how to structure their day now i wish it could be possible for all workers everywhere but um right now it is you know we're talking about desk based work and i think that if that freedom is given we're going to see that 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 demand start to surge but it, it's a messaging thing right now it's just about explaining that you you can work not in the office but not from home mhm yeah somebody needs to uh run that campaign for us <laughs> <laughs> i suppose all of the aggregators you know all the platforms that you're bringing together will they're incented to help do that for the industry exactly i mean that that's what their job is right their job is to generate those leads and generate that 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 idea of of remote flexible freedom to to work where you want to work um and not this idea of you're going to sit on the beach sipping mai tais instead of doing your work right yeah. this is this really weird remote digital nomad idea that was propagated in the last 10 years um and it's up to the aggregators and the booking platforms and the brokers and even the employers to promote the true image and it's not what we had in 2020 it's not what we had early 2021 um it's not this being forced to work from your one bedroom in manhattan right um and that that's going to take time because if you speak to the employers they're still trying to figure out what it all means um and the more we can mix employers and co-working the better that narrative will become the more they can experience it themselves the better the narrative will become and that that's how we all win i love it Hector, thank you for taking the time to do this. We need to not have um 200 episodes <laughs> go by <laughs> before we do this again and I think there will be probably some um exponential shifts in the marketplace in the next year or so. So Definitely. I hope we can um do this again. So I have a bunch of links for you in the show notes. Um your personal site Sinkaroo, um this week in co-working, your awesome newsletter that highlights like all the do not miss things that happened in the industry every week. So if you want to connect with Hector, find the newsletter, you can do that in the show notes. Hector, anything I missed before we wrap up? Nope, that that's everything. Awesome. Thank you very much again for having me and yes, that's that's uh, aim for 100 next time at the max, right? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to put you in the calendar. Thanks, Hector. Thank you very much. Hey there. Thanks for sticking with us through the end of the episode. Don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcast player. And if you are enjoying the podcast, please go leave us a review. It helps other folks find the podcast who are thinking about starting a co-working space or already operating a co-working space and are looking to stay up to speed on tips and trends. And We started a YouTube channel. We'd love to have you catch us on video. 
you can join us for podcast videos and Q&A videos and other things that we post to the channel. We'd love to see you there.